All right. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I struggle with anger, fear, pornography, and pride. My name is Dave. Thanks, everybody. I'm glad to be here, too, as they bring out my accoutrement. Um, when I say the words, lights, camera, action, what comes to mind? The movies, right? I mean, that's what I think of. And the thing is, there are things about that word, these words that I think set up some things that I want to go over tonight and relate to our recovery, right? Because... When you're shooting a movie, you got to have the lights just right. If everybody's in the dark, nobody's going to be able to see anything. If there's a shadow, right, you got to get your angles. you got to know where people are. The cameras have to be on, right? If the cameras aren't on, you're not ready. Because otherwise, if they do it right and you didn't capture it, that doesn't do you any good. But tonight's election lesson is actually on action. All right? <clears throat> and when we are looking at our recovery in the first couple of steps, we are turning the lights on to our lives. We're examining and figuring out the places where we struggle. We figure out that our life as it is in our own hands is unmanageable. And then in the kind of intermediate steps, so just hang with me, we need cameras on because if we don't have cameras turned on our own lives and we can't see the change that we're looking for, right? We got to be able to notice that. But then we get to action, right? And in that, um, we make conscious choices and decisions. Um, in principle three, it says we make conscious choices and decisions to turn our lives and will over to his care. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Hess talked about the first half of this decision-making, right? He said, he was talking about turn, we have to accept Christ's payment for our sin, guilt, and shame. And that is a one-time event. You know, we all, you, I, at some point have to decide what we're going to do with Jesus and his offer of forgiveness. And so if we accept that, we turn our life over to Christ. Now, if you're sitting here and you haven't decided to put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that. In fact, right now, right this second, is the right time because it's a defining choice of our life. And if you've already made that decision, well, fantastic, right? Because now you have a bonus. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and is available to you all the time to give you the power to overcome. And so we're going to go through, um, we're going to go through 2 Peter 1, uh, a bunch of verses tonight that are going to go through our steps. And I'm going to, it's going to, I'm going to show you where we're headed. So, in verse 3, it says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all this by, by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And next one, verse 4. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. And these are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. God's telling us that by his power, he's granting us the power to live godly lives. I mean, it's all about him. It's not our power, it's his. And the power to overcome sin is actually a promise. He says, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you the power to overcome sin. So it's a promise. But that promise doesn't mean that it's not going to be a struggle because the promise says, I'm handing you the ability. 
not the demand. He doesn't cure everything for us. It doesn't mean we won't have issues, but it does mean that we will have a method to to escape. We will have a route. We'll have a way out. Now, the reason why I'm talking about action specifically is that many of us can get stuck in this cycle where Satan wants to hold us back. Satan knows that, uh, hey, you've accepted uh, forgiveness and you have the Holy Spirit and uh, you have an option now that you didn't have before. And he doesn't want us to exercise that option to rely on Jesus. He wants to hold us in a cycle of guilt or anger or fear or depression. See, if Satan can can keep us convinced that there is either something more that needs to be done to cover the guilt of our past, or if he can keep reminding us that, hey, you know, you're supposed to be strong enough to handle this on your own, or maybe give us fear, like, oh no, did I, did I, did I really just get forgiven? I'm not, I'm not really sure. See, if he can keep talking to us and take us out of the zone, then it can lead us to a downward cycle. And Jesus has no intention of us taking that path. Jesus has shown us through his word that he said, it is finished. He did all of the saving work that ever needs to be done and that ever needed to be done. So then does that mean that we have nothing to do now if he did it all? Well, of course not. Because in Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Saving grace allows us the freedom to now move in ways that he can only empower us to do. And it's only in his power that we can move forward in faith and victory, right? Faith and victory. And that is action. Now, I'm going to show you an acrostic. This is not the same acrostic that is in a step study, okay? This is a different one that the bakers came up with. Um, But there's some interesting things here that I want to cover tonight, and it goes along with what we're doing. So ask for God's will to be done. Choose to follow his will over our own. Trust that he has a plan for us. Invest in others by serving. Obey God's word and notice areas to put our recovery into practice. This is going to go right along with 2 Peter 1. You know, we see in the Bible that faith and trust always result in action. There are countless examples of where God moves and his people then move. And the reason that they move is because of the faith that they placed in him and in his power. See, Jesus moves and then we move. Jesus forgave us and now we can forgive others. He gently reminds us of those we need to make amends to and then uh, he, he gives us the humility to make those amends, to humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness. But I'm not asking you to do that tonight. We're going to look at some other specific things. See, Jesus is saving us and calling us to a greater purpose. It requires action to move and to accept the changes that he wants to make in your life and in mine. So we can make the decision to turn and give him our lives, but now we're going to struggle and act out that decision, and it's going to be tough. Romans 7, 19 says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I mean, and even Jesus even struggled to turn over his will in the moment. Luke twenty two forty two, Jesus says, Father, if you're willing to take this cup of suffering away from me, let's do that. But yet I want your will to be done, 
not mine. I mean, even Jesus in his humanity had to choose God's will over his own. All right, so in verses 5 through 7 of 2 Peter 1, it says, in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Remember, God's promise is he's giving us Holy Spirit and the power to overcome. Supplement your faith, that means add to, with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now, I don't know about you, but I look at that and go, wow, that is a list. That is a lot to get down. But we know what? This is an encouragement. This is an encouragement for us to act and to add to what the Holy Spirit has already been working on us in. And we know that it's an encouragement, and we know that this is God's will, because all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful to us. So what can we do? I mean, where do we start with this, right? Well, we start by actively turning our will over to Christ's care and control. Remember, it says we committed our lives and our wills to Christ's care and control. And so now it's time to take that action step and say, okay, my will. Well, what does that even mean? Well, I would submit to you that there are many types of will that we can choose to turn over to God. And I think for many of us, there are some of these that are going to be up here that are going to be easier than others. But in every instance, I have to invite Jesus's power into my life to overtake these wills. So the first level of will is general will. Now, I think about this as like, yeah, I kind of want to do what God wants me to do, right? Generally speaking, I want to do the right thing. Now, this may or may not coincide with salvation. So I want to draw a line here. Saving grace and accepting Jesus' pardon for your sin through his death on the cross and his resurrection, okay? That saves you. That is a one-and-done thing. That is, that is over with. If you've accepted Christ, you're on his team, that is perfect. You're there. There's no more to do. But accepting his will in general to say, I want your decisions to be greater than my decisions as a general statement is putting him on the throne of your life. And that's an active thing that you have to do. And you're going to have to keep doing it, and I'm going to have to keep doing it. Then there's situational will, right? We look at a situation in our life and we say, God, in this situation with my spouse or with my kids or with my boss or work, there's this situation I don't like, and I really want it to turn out your way. I I, I want to set aside my desires in this situation. Not everything has to be about me. I want your way. So we have situational will that we can turn over to God. Then we have daily will. Well, that's an easy one. Not easy to do, but it's easy to say, right? I wake up in the morning and I commit, okay, God, yesterday I really was outside of your will. I can recognize that I screwed it up. But today I want to get back in. I want to exercise your will in my life. And then the right now will. Well, that's capturing our thoughts in a moment. Like in this conversation, God, help me to say the right things. Help me to respond the right way. Help me to be the loving person that I know you want me to be, the calm person that I know you want me to be in the moment. Now, these are all different. 
The goal is always the same. Now, I have had, and I'm sure you all have had, many opportunities to hand over different levels of will over to God. So I'm going to let you know a little about me. Um, About 25, 28 years ago, I got into the IT industry. I was a computer guy. I was the guy they slid the pizzas under the door to that I never talked to anyone, making making things work in the back end. That that was me. Um, God blessed me. I was able to open that business with a couple of partners in the year 2000. Um, I worked incredibly hard. I had really long, really long weeks, uh, 60, 70 hours a week, an inordinate amount of stress. But God was good. He kept the business afloat in times where it, I couldn't see it. He kept it going. So God was faithful, but I worked hard, and it caused problems in my relationships. Um, it was hard on my wife and I and my kids. Um, I didn't have time to do things that I should have been doing. And then we fast forward to 2021. So in, the, in July of 2021, God spoke to me almost as clearly as I'm speaking to you right now, or at least that's how I perceived it. And he said, you need to sell your business. You need to get out of IT. You need to not do this anymore. And for me, that without any more context, because he didn't give me more information. He didn't say, hey, this is what your next job is. This is what I need you to be pursuing. This is, what, this is where you need to go. He didn't say that. He said, what I need you to do is sell your business and stop doing this by the end of the year. So six months. I had to choose. Am I going to submit to that will? That's a pretty big ask for a guy that spent his entire life basically doing one thing. <laughs> and so I said, yes. And I talked to my partner, and he said, hey, you need to buy me out by the end of the year. And I still didn't know what I was doing. He asked me, why are you leaving? Where are you going? I don't know. It wasn't until three months later, so it was in October of 2021, that I learned that the church administrator here at Southern Hills was retiring. And as soon as I heard that, God said, you need to go look into that. Really? God, I haven't used my degree, which is what, I, what this job is about. I haven't used my degree <laughs> since I was in college. I've literally never used my degree as, I mean, other than business, you know, doing some of that. This is a real big change. And he goes, I didn't ask you that. I'm asking you to pursue this. So I had another chance to go, hey, am I going to listen to his will or not? And so I did. In that, God was able to work for my good even when I didn't see it. I couldn't see it all at the time. Because in the end, I got to sell my business and trade a 70-hour work week for a 40-hour work week. And not only that, but I'm working for a church that allows me the flexibility to do the things that I'm doing right now. I can participate in CR. It's the only reason I was able to become the ministry leader to have time to do this. It's all. It's God working these things out. And I didn't know any of this was happening. Not in July. I couldn't see any of it. And now I get the blessing of serving him with my hands every single day. So back to the next slide. In view of all this, right? In view of all this is looking back at the power that Jesus has, that God gave us the power in the Holy Spirit. We can rely on it, 
And so now we can make the effort to move into action. It's trustworthy. We can trust him when he asks us to do something that he will give us the power to do it. God doesn't give us stuff to do without giving us the power to do it. That's not his character. He says, listen, I'm calling you for this. I've given you Holy Spirit. Now I need you to go do it. So then what actions are we moved to? Well, if we look at the verse, it says we supplement. We add moral excellence. Well, moral excellence, the way I would like to describe that is how we behave, right? Our actions. And for many of you in the room, including me, this is setting aside an addiction or some other bad habit that's keeping us tied down. I had to add moral excellence in my life by getting sober in my porn addiction. I had to set aside my anger and stop yelling and trying to control all these situations by responding in anger. That was the moral excellence that that I needed to add What moral excellence do you need to add? Talk to Jesus about it if he's not screaming at you right now, because normally there's some moral excellence that he's calling each one of us to do. But you know what? We can submit to that. We can submit it to Christ's care and control all through the day, moment by moment, not just day by day, but moment by moment, when we feel the temptation to return to that old habit or coping mechanism. Then we can add to knowledge, right? This means you're learning more about God's love and the plans for him and how they are better for you. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you. They're for your good and not for despair to give you a future and a hope. So maybe this means things like, I don't know, committing to reading your Bible more often. Maybe it means you need to attend CR more regularly. Maybe it means seeking more than one CR in your life or more than one recovery meeting a week. I mean, who knows? Or maybe joining our church if you don't have a church home, right? It's a place for you to be. We'd love to see you more often than Friday nights. Next is the self-control. And I'm like, wow, man, self-control, this whole thing is kicking me. So this is a little different for me than moral excellence because this is where I get let God change my mind. Self-control to me is more about changing my mind because moral excellence is for me like trying to hold back, like don't do these things, but self-control is changing the way I think so that those old actions aren't tempting me. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And in seeking to add self-control, it means that I'm going to submit to God's will in letting him change my mind. See, God says, I want to change your mind, And so this is a place we can submit to his will and saying, all right, you want to change my mind? Okay, I'll let you change my mind. That sounds like a pretty interesting thing. Make the things that used to be interesting to me less interesting. And in doing that, I gain self-control. He promised he would, so we need to seek that every day. So then we're on to patient endurance. Who has a problem with patience? Don't raise your hands. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't, Don't bring it on you. I know I do. I can talk about me. Now, this is where I like to talk about one day at a time, okay? And we've heard it all. If you've been in recovery at all, you hear one day at a time. And really, this is with patience, because I'm impatient, and I want my change now. I want my recovery now. I want it all. Um, But this is where God reminds me to say, listen, you need to take it easy. Keep seeking me, seeking God, and be patient with the life change that he's doing in me. Because if I take my life one day at a time, I'm taking my life patiently. 
I only focus on today, I'm being patient. So Matthew 6.34 says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is going to bring its own worries. Trouble, today's trouble is enough for today. So I'm going to seek his will in the small things, those moments. And you know, every time somebody tries to cut me off or drive slow in the fast lane, <laughs> instead of being angry with them and yelling at them, even though they can't hear me, God's been asking me to quietly pray for them because I don't know what they're going through. And I don't know what's distracting them while they're driving. I don't know. And so God's told me, like, you need to be more concerned about what's distracting them, not the fact that they are distracted, right? I need to have a heart for those. So then we get to the godliness thing, right? We're adding godliness now. What is that? That seems impractical. But it turns out that God has given us the power to become like Jesus, That is, we can choose to do what Jesus is asking us to do because it's right and because it's his will. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. We get to look beyond just the day-to-day, right? Like there's day-to-day stuff like driving. Okay, I can forgive this person. I cannot be angry. I I can be more patient. But... This idea of godliness is looking at what the eternal results of things are going to be. Because not everything is about the next 10 minutes or the next hour, that there are things that he wants me to accomplish that are going to be eternal, that are going to make differences in lives that are way outside of what happens today. That's adding godliness. Then we get to brotherly affection. Well, I hope that this one gets easier. I mean, for each of us here, right? But really, what does it mean? Well, I would submit to you that the best way that we can love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ is to serve each other regularly. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. When we serve each other, We love each other. And we can serve each other by regularly attending open share and honestly and earnestly listening to what is being shared on other people's hearts every week. That's a huge thing. We can serve them by praying for them, sending them encouraging text messages. We can sponsor them. We can serve by signing up for one of the many teams that are here at CR. Finally, adding love for everyone is where we can look beyond the similarities with people in our own circles. It's loving those people that are around us, regardless of our relationship to them. It means that loving each other by not being divisive in our conversations, not taking offense, that means you need to become unoffendable. I'm working on trying to be unoffendable. Not participating in or stirring up any drama. Because it's here where we can exercise the unity that God is calling us to have with each other and everyone around us. Romans 12, 17, and 18 says, Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live with peace with everyone. And what do we get to do with all of these actions that we're making one day at a time? Well, remember I was talking about the idea of cameras, right? Got to have cameras, got to have them watching us as we make our actions. Well, verse 8 and 9 says this. 
The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? You can't know if you're being more productive. You can't know if you're growing if you don't have your cameras on, if you're not taking stock in what it is that's going on. If you don't mark a day and say, okay, this day I wasn't doing that, and this day I was, and that was three months ago, hey, I'm growing, right? But it also says, but those who fail to develop in this way are being short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their own sins. So what it's saying is if you're not doing this, it's because you're not paying attention to the fact that God's given you the power to do it. You're losing sight of the fact that, listen, you've got all the power from Jesus right now living inside you. You have Holy Spirit. You are capable. These are things you're being called to do if you just rely on him. So let's not be short-sighted. I know I struggle with being short-sighted and blind. (laughs) Please don't be that way. Don't be like Dave. (laughs) Be like Jesus. You know, that evaluation, the band, y'all can come up here. Looking at the things in our lives, the uh, situations, that really is what the blue chip stuff is about right? Paying attention, seeing what it is that God's calling us to do. You know, what, what am I supposed to be submitting to his will? If the chip huggers want to come up. Um, I do not know what God has laid on your heart tonight as far as where you need to be adding, what you need to be submitting to, what part of your will um, in regards to one of these areas I don't, know where he's, I don't know where he's putting his finger in your chest. But if you're like me, he's doing it. And right now is the time for you to submit to that. We have blue chips that are really just reminders of surrender. If God is calling you to surrender some night, if there's a, a place in your will, if there's a thing he's saying, you need to add this, come on down, take a chip. Because... He's asking you to, to change some way. I don't, know how, I don't know what the way is. But there's something in your will, whether it's in the day or in the moment, there's a will about an attitude, there's a will about whether you're going to show brotherly love to one another, whether you're going to, to serve. It's out there. And all I'm saying is respond. Men take from men, women take from women. Women. 